0: You know when I'm wearing Bombas I feel like my feet are being caressed oh, okay. and cared for in a way they never have been in my life. Hmm. Get comfy this spring and give back with Bombas. Head over to bombas.com/conan and use code conan for 20% off your first purchase. That's b o m b a s.com/conan and use code conan at checkout. <laughs>
2: Hi, my name is Bob Newhart. And I feel uh, anxious about (laughs) being Conan O'Brien's friend.
3: (laughs) Fall is here, hear the yell, back to school, ring the bell. Brand new shoes, walking blues, climb the fence, books and pens. I can tell that we are going to be friends.
0: Hello, Conan O'Brien here. Welcome to another episode of Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend podcast. I think pretty much based on just a scam, don't Mm -hmm. you think? Yeah. I'm I'm just (laughs) convincing people to come in here and talk to me Mm -hmm. and having the time of my life. And uh, they leave. I don't think anyone gets paid. No. Oh, okay. You do. Do I? (laughs) I Yeah, in mattresses. (laughs) I get paid in mattresses and and free... uh, Free socks. What are they called? Bombas. 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 I love bombas. And you can always wave me off if you think this opener is just terrible. It's great. Really? Mm -hmm. Thanks, Gorley. Joined here by my uh, trusty assistant, Sona Mosesian. How are you, Sona?
1: I'm doing very well. Thank you.
0: And of course, Matt Gorley's here. Hi. You're looking good again, Matt. Matt uh, is quite a sharp dresser. He is. Yeah, you're looking very sharp, he's Matt. He's wearing
1: suspenders, which suspenders is weird. Suspenders
0: today. You are su- he is such a, what do you call it? Uh, what's the nickname for it?
1: Not a hipster. Uh. No. Uh. He's kind of a hipster.
0: Oh, okay. Come on, girl, you have yeah. this coming. You wore suspenders today.
1: And a wool cap. Yeah.
0: He has a wool cap yeah. and suspenders, and he's got a little pipe. <laughs> He's got one of those Meerschaum pipes tucked into his pocket. You're a ridiculous person. It's a tiny pipe. Okay, it is a tiny pipe. Oh, and he's probably got Eisenhower's telephone that he bought on eBay. Anyway, the fact that he's not defending himself uh, is just a sign that that we are right. Yeah, I think so. And he's wrong. Let's get to the show, shall we? Okay. Uh, You should probably take a lozenge or something, Gourley. You're sounding a little hoarse. Okay. God, he's like a little wood creature. I
1: know, I've okay. never heard him take it like this before.
0: Well, I guess he knows when he's been bested.
1: Yeah, clearly.
0: Oh, superior mind. Sona, oh, yeah. I'm giddy today. I, I really know. am. I know. I am giddy today. I am as giddy as a schoolgirl. Is that something I can still say?
1: I Yeah, but why don't you just say schoolboy?
0: No, schoolgirls get more like, <laughs> Or is that a gender thing? I don't
1: know, but school boys are giddy, too. They're like, uh,
0: yeah, they hang
1: out, play video games.
0: Okay, whatever. Let's not, I don't see gender. I really don't. What? Especially when I'm showering. Um, (laughs) Zing. There's nothing down there. Smooth. Uh, (laughs) Zinged
1: yourself. I
0: just zinged myself. I am giddy, and I've got to up my game, because today is a very, 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 very special guest, someone I... Grew up. Uh, I listened to his records, uh, some of the funniest uh, comedy ever put uh, on on any audio form, and uh, and then of course his multiple TV shows and uh, his appearances in movies. And he's just such a perfect comedian and a great man. Legend. A legend. And he's here with us today, and I'm absolutely tickled pink. Mm-hmm. Bob Newhart. I can feel the palpable anxiety in the room as Bob Newhart contemplates being my friend. <laughs> I've made attempts over the years to really connect with you, Bob. You know that you've been to my home.
2: Oh, we're gonna get into that. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> you've been invited. You've been into my home, and I've been to your home against your will.
2: That's right. You looked at my home. <laughs> I, I think you. You looked. I
0: did when I first yeah. was going to move out here. I was looking for a place to live, and wow. I saw this absolutely gorgeous uh, home that was completely out of my price range.
2: And also, we have the tour buses going through. You have all, tour buses all the time.
0: Yeah, and you had a sign out front that said "No Irish."
2: That's right. I, have, I did have a sign outside that said, I'm dog, <laughs> which no one paid any attention to. Yeah. The uh-huh. attention.
0: They didn't care, huh? They just kept moving. Uh, you know I'm a massive fan of your work yes. and also a fan of uh, you as a, as a human being. So it's a double treat. There's sometimes people that I, I love their work and I don't want to get to know them. Or if I get a sense of who they are.
2: Like Rickles. <laughs> I'm just, like I'm just the, guessing i like, know I know, I know he's gone two years, but
0: yeah, you know what what's nice is uh you know he's up there in heaven uh and he's listening to you take shots at him, and uh he doesn't get to say anything now, yeah, that's right, like rickles like he gets rickles. to
2: say he gets to say, if you see this guy up here, don't let him in,
0: don't let him in, don't let yeah. you see new heart coming, don't, I, let, him don't let him in, don't let him in don't let him in, he's a hockey puck. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Of course, you and uh, and Don Rickles great friends for how many? Was it fifty years, sixty years? I mean, you were such good friends.
2: Well, I, I'll tell you the story. I've told it before. The story of uh, of how we met. I knew of Don, but I didn't. I didn't know Don. But my wife knew Don's wife, um, Barbara Sklar, mm-hmm. who became Barbara Barbara Rickles. And we were in Vegas. I was at the Desert Inn. I was at the main room in the desert end. And Don was in the lounge mm-hmm. at the Sahara, which I which I love pointing out because there is a pecking order and, <laughs> and, and
0: you just like to point out that you're in the main room and, and he's in the, the lounge. He's at the, the kids' table. That's right. He's that's at the kids' right. table at Thanksgiving.
2: So anyway, we're in town together and Ginny said, Oh, we have to get together with um I have to call Barbara and we'll have dinner, you know. Because mm-hmm. I said, uh, "Great, yeah." So we set it up. Well, Don, Don was working the, again in the lounge, and uh, they work like you know, ten. The first show is ten, and the next show is one o'clock, and then, right, so, right. So we go to dinner, and then um, and Jenny's talking to Don. I'm talking to Barbara, and, and now it's time to go in to see Don show. And uh, so Ginny and I, uh, Don left like five minutes early, you know, to get dressed. And uh, so Ginny and I are walking into the into the lounge, and she said, "He is just—he's the sweetest man. I mean, he's—he's such a wonderful family man that mm-hmm. you know—he—he he, he hates being on the road. He hates—he wants to be home mm-hmm. and." Uh, and I said, "Well, honey, now his his act is going to be uh, slightly different than than what you saw." <laughs> He's
0: not going to be the sweet guy that you the saw at sweet, dinner.
2: Lovely guy, family person, and um, she said, "Oh, don't ruin it." She's, you know, <laughs> you're trying to ruin it. Uh-huh. And I said, no. "I said, oh, okay, okay." So so we sit down, and he comes out. Now, first thing he says is the stammering idiot from chicago was in the audience with his hooker wife from bayonne new jersey <laughs> 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 oh <my God. laughs> <laughs> what a nice introduction to the new hearts. That's right. nice. So she looks at me, and I and I said, I, I tried to tell you. Tried to tell you. Yeah.
0: yeah, it's funny because you two, and everyone pointed this out, but you couldn't, your comedic styles could not be more different. You couldn't be more different. You are cerebral. I think you've weighed every word carefully. And he was a a sprinkler, a sprinkler system (laughs) turned on high that was firing randomly and chaotically. I
2: I could never say, as he said every night, I could never say to someone, I had never met. Is that the wife? Oh, geez. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, you know, he could, he could, he did my show uh, several times over the years and even uh, at, at that stage, I mean, I was. This is in the nineteen nineties, and he had, you know, seemingly been around forever, and he'd come out and he would completely turn the thing upside down, and he'd be going after the band, and he'd be, you know, saying some things you didn't think people could say anymore. But he had this, <laughs> he had this inner sweetness, and I think he also got a pass from people because he invented yeah. this, yeah. and they they knew that it came from a good place. You know, he yeah. was.
2: Oh, if he thought he offended somebody, he, he, would, he it would, it would ruin the, the day for him. Uh, yeah. You know, he knew it was all in fun. And, you know, I'm only kidding and don't take me seriously.
0: Yeah. He'd probably lose sleep over it. <laughs> so I could see how you would both click as real human beings on that level. On
2: that level. Yeah. On
0: that level um, when I was coming along, uh, my father is a, is a huge uh, fan of comedy. And he introduced me when I was just a boy to Jack Benny's radio show. Mm. And he made sure that I listened to that, even though this is the 1970s. Jack Benny was was pretty much, was gone at this point, I believe. And he introduced me to Jack Benny and he really wanted me to understand why, how Jack Benny was so funny. And what was interesting is I had a familiarity with Jack Benny and then I started watching your show. The Bob Newhart Show, and-
2: You re- I, you realize I stole from him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's the point of the conversation. This, the police- is, the,
2: this is the extra door. No, right? no,
0: the police are here. The oh, police okay. are here. Right. Um, you did not steal from him, but we're gonna have you sign some documents afterwards. It's a legal matter. Uh, no, but I saw that you were like a musician. You were working in a similar style, which was this fearlessness with the pause, you would take these pauses, and so much of comedy is people trying to jam in as many notes as they can. And you would take these long pauses, and I could see the way that Jack Benny influenced so many people. Johnny Carson, for example,
2: no question about
0: would me, yeah. get, and I and I <laughs> will admit that I have been uh, drinking from that well for a long time, realizing you can get the biggest laugh in the room if you don't say anything Uh, sometimes. Drinking from the well, meaning... Drinking from the well, uh, meaning drawing from that... Tradition oh, of,
2: oh, oh, okay.
0: I didn't okay. really actually mean drinking well water, oh, yes, which I, might be tainted. Because uh, I a,
2: couldn't figure out what that had to do with Jack Benny.
0: Yeah. Well, we all know that Jack Benny uh, was an avid drinker of well water. Of water, yeah. Yeah. This is derailed completely. And I want to apologize to everyone who's listening. And I think it's Bob Newhart's fault. <laughs> Because I think you all understood what I was saying, and I see what he did.
2: I'll tell you a story about Mm -hmm. Jack, but how brave he was. He was the bravest comedian I have ever, you know, people have said my timing is similar to his. But I don't think you can teach timing. I think you either hear it or you you don't hear it. Right. But he was the bravest comedian. And and Dick Martin told me a a story that he was there. Dick Martin or Ronan Martin. Mm -hmm. Of laughing fame, yeah. And— he said, that Jack was, I think, at the Sahara and in, in, uh, in Las Vegas, and uh, they had the Will Maston Trio featuring Sammy Davis Jr. as his opening act. Mm-hmm. And, of course, it comes out, Sammy destroys the audience. They're, they're pounding and standing on the tables. And they leave, and then Jack comes out. Mm-hmm. And he said, uh, he said, you know, uh, in the afternoon, sometimes around 04, Four thirty, uh, I like to get some tea, and some sometimes four, four forty five, rarely five. <laughs> uh, uh, I uh, I'll have this tea, and I ran into this this actor I had worked with, and his name was. And I'm trying to think. Oh, oh, he said, I don't know what's wrong with me today. He said, I I promised that Sammy Davis could do another number. Would, would you like Sammy and the and Will Maston trio? Oh, uh, screaming.
0: Screaming. Boy. People go crazy. Yeah.
2: He comes out, birth of the blues, destroys the room. People right. People are pounding on the tables. And Jack watched, watches him walk off. And he says, Clive club <laughs> 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 no, no sane person in the world does that Have, you don't bury yourself
0: <laughs> you know it's amazing uh it's interesting to me and and all kinds of people listen to this podcast there's a lot of young people listening who may not be as familiar with Jack Benny, and I encourage you and plead with you to go out and and listen to some of those tapes because he was the greatest, one of the foremost comedians of the 30s, 40s, into the 50s, I mean, just just a massive star. And he would take his time and he would take those long pauses. And you think about him going out there and the electricity after following the energy in the room After Sammy Davis Jr. has absolutely destroyed and melted the club and people are going wild to go out and let all that energy subside (laughs) and get – you know, most people will – their instinct would be I've got to ride this energy, take this energy and keep it going. And he's cutting so far against the grain, very few people could get away with it. But he had the timing, and he also, I think, had the status too. He's or Jack. Would d- or
2: would dare doing it, you know, uh, putting yourself in that position. Of, yeah. But knowing it would work, he knew it would it would pay off. I remember there was another story. Freddie Cordova, who pro- produced
0: long term, a long long time producer of the yeah. uh, Tonight Show with Johnny Carson.
2: And he he told me a story that, um, that Jack was doing the radio show and. And Ronald Coleman, the the actor, mm-hmm. the British actor, was on the show, and they're sitting around. It's a table read, and they're just reading the script. And Jack does a line. He said, "Oh, uh, oh, give that to Dennis." Dennis Day. He said, "That's a better line if Dennis says it." And, right. then, and then they read some more, and then he said, "Oh, give that to Phil." Phil Harris. Mm-hmm. So it, it, they they're through with the table read, and Ronald Coleman. Said to him, he said that was amazing. He said you gave away some of the best material
0: to other people.
2: To other people, and and Jack said, but I'll be back next week. Yes, yeah. And that's, no,
0: I, I that's mean, all that mattered. To you know, him. I heard that story and that idea years ago, and I would always attribute it to Jack Benny. So I'm glad. I think I'm. You're telling me. I, I think I had the right person, but I always had the same feeling, which is. I have a sidekick in Andy Richter who's one of the funniest people I've ever oh, yeah, met yeah. and I've always wanted to have hilarious people on the show and and give them space to breathe and I always have the same idea which is it's the Conan show. If the Conan show is funny, I'll get my check at the end end of the week. sometimes I didn't but <laughs> 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 but if the Conan show is funny, I'll get my check and I'm not i'm I'm gonna try not to think about who's getting. Who's getting the laughs? As long as they know, I watched that show and I had a good time, and I think that's uh, that's something that has served me well. I think over
2: time. Well, it was you know Johnny Carson. He'd, he'd have um, Robin Williams on, yeah. And the next morning, people were saying, "Did you see Johnny Carson last night?" You know?
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right, and and did you see how hard Johnny was laughing? That was the other thing you paid attention yeah. to. Yeah. I know that. And we'll, and we'll get back to this idea of rhythm, but since we're talking about Johnny Carson, I know that you were a pretty regular guest host for Johnny. You yeah, would, I you did would,
2: 79, I think.
0: 79. Uh, uh, tonight, in. you'd fill in. And I was wondering, you know, and it's hard for people to understand today in an era when there's 600 late night talk shows and people maybe see them on the computer the next day. They see bits and pieces that there was a time when there was one show, All of America – watch that show. Johnny Carson was arguably the most powerful person in show business. When you subbed for him and sat in and took over the helm of that show, was it nerve wracking to think this is Johnny's show? This is the prize flagship. They've given me the, the wheel, the tiller to handle this thing. And
2: yeah, pretty much. I mean, it was, um, I didn't want the job. I mean, there, there was a point at which NBC was, this was like in the 70s,
3: mm-hmm.
2: 70s when they were thinking of, uh, Johnny was uh, wanting a raise, mm-hmm. and, and they said, that's it, no more, he's not going to hold us up anymore. These are the 70s, and I think Johnny left sometime in the late 1990s. I think he left in 92.
0: 90, 92. 92. Yeah.
2: So they were trying these other hosts. And, and I I did the show for three weeks in New York, and I didn't want the job. I mean, I didn't. If they had offered it to me, I would, because I knew what a killer job it is. I mean, every day, every yeah. day. And uh, and Johnny himself said, "It's his mistress." And if he had devoted the time to his marriage that he devoted to the show, he'd still be married to his first wife. He, right? He, it just is that demanding. So I I didn't get that nervous because. I didn't care if I lost the job.
0: You know? Right, right. But he would let you know, uh, if he would sometimes be watching. That's the other thing, too, is that he would not be doing the show, but he was always very concerned with how the substitute hosts were doing. So he'd be aware of how you had done or what you had done with his show while he was away.
2: Well, what he would do, I was, uh, again, with Freddy de Cordova.
0: Right, the um, producer, yeah.
2: I was filling in for, for Johnny, guest hosting. And it, Fred, Freddie and I are sitting and talking during the day for the show. And the phone rings, and it's Johnny. And Freddie is talking to him, and he's saying, yeah, hey, I remember this sketch. Yeah, we did it about uh, four, four or five years ago. And yeah, we could update it. And uh, that's this is Johnny. He's on vacation, supposedly, calling Freddie about a sketch that they're going to do when I'm no longer gets toasting, and he's back doing
0: that yeah, thing. he's like a a mom that's away from her child, but is calling in and saying, "Okay, okay, I know I'm supposed to be on vacation, but this is the kind of cereal he likes, <laughs> and make sure he gets this cream for that rash <laughs> and uh you know it's it's a devotion that I think is required. I was going to ask you about I remember very clearly in uh two thousand six. And I'm jumping around a bit here, but um, I've been drinking a lot. In
3: 2006,
0: I had a, a second crack at hosting the Emmys. And I, we thought of this bit to try and keep the show to time where we would keep a celebrity in a box with a limited amount of air. And the concept was we need to keep the Emmys to time. So if the show runs long, this celebrity will die in the box and it will be your fault, America. And we had, so we thought that was a very funny idea. And then we had two requirements. It had to be someone who is beloved, an icon, okay? Those are hard to find. And it had to be someone who is going to be in a soundproof booth and never speaks and is hilarious using just their face with a look of peril and concern, and there was only one answer, and it was you.
2: Oh, and I, we thought I heard, I heard George Clooney, <laughs> <laughs> and I heard George turned it down. Yeah, and then, George, then you went to me.
0: Yeah, we Clooney's always first. Uh, um, <laughs> no, and so we knew it was you, and we knew it's going to be fantastic, but it had to be you, it had to be you, but then the problem became. What if we get a quick no? What if we just hear, well, you know, Bob doesn't really want to do it and we were petrified. And I remembered getting in touch with you and you said, well, let's, when you're out in LA, let's get together and talk about it. And I was so, I don't, you don't if you remember this, but we went to lunch and I was nervous cause I, I, I'm nervous to be around you anyway. And I had to sell you on, on this idea and I thought it was going to take the whole meal to sell you on this idea. And you immediately said, yeah, it's a funny idea. I'll do it. Anyway, let's gossip. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then you'd pretend <laughs> to tell all these amazing stories. I had the time of my life. And then you did the bit. And it's one of my favorite things I've ever been involved in because we wheel you out and you're sitting there. And the conceit, I think, which is – you weren't quite aware why you were in this box. And then I start to say, there's a limited amount of air and (laughs) there's just this growing concern. (laughs) Panic. Panic, Panic. but but contained. You never get out of the chair, you never bang on the glass. And you can see that you're thinking to yourself, I, uh, this may have been an error. (laughs) But it's so you, which is to play things so, you play these notes so quietly. And with mm-hmm. such a brilliant ear, it sets you apart from everybody else. And I don't know if that was – I know you started famously. You, you did stand-up, and then you made these these records, these albums that were smash hits, button-down mind, just massive hits. You would beat out, I think, Elvis Presley for a Grammy, Frank yeah. Sinatra.
2: For uh, album of the year.
0: You beat Frank Sinatra yeah. for yeah, album got- of the year.
2: I recorded it in 1960, yeah, and the record came out in 1960. So in 61, at the Grammy Awards of 61, it won um, Best New Artist. It won Spoken Word. They didn't have a category for comedy. The right, Spoken Word, which could be Ella or sure you know, whatever you know, an album of of the year, um, which as as you mentioned, it beat out. The soundtrack of um, sound of music, sound of music, and and as you mentioned, Belafonte and and Elvis and um, and Frank
0: and Frank put a hit out on you after That's that. That's right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Good thing but, he, the
0: bullet just hit you in the shoulder.
2: But yeah. they were <laughs> they were lousy shots. So <laughs> that's why I'm here today. You're here
0: today. Uh,
2: and I had people starting the car for me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You'd say to Rickles, hey, go start the car. Warm yeah. it up a little bit. Do
2: me a favor, Don. Don.
0: If you can't find it in California, man, you got a problem. Yeah. I shouldn't have done that. I made that up on my own. Anyway, I love California. Discover why California is the ultimate playground. Head to visitcalifornia.com to start planning your trip today. You know, it's incredible to have the flexibility to work in all sorts of places, whether it's taking video calls from the park, Or emailing large files while you're grocery shopping. Sona, this is good for you. Is it? Because you're always doing whatever work you do for me from fun locations.
1: But I like blaming it on not having reception.
0: I know, but you can't do that here. Working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network, which is why you should check out T-Mobile, Sona. Then you got no excuses. They're America's largest and fastest 5G network. With T-Mobile, you'll be covered in more places with the 5G speed you need for your life on the go. Plus... They also cover more highway miles with 5G than anybody else. Check it out if you don't believe me. Hey, Blake, you've got T-Mobile, right? I do. I was actually just up in the woods in Idlewild. It was fantastic for the weekend. And uh, my T-Mobile didn't miss it. My T-Mobile phone didn't miss it. You know, beat. I wouldn't think you'd need a cell phone because you speak so loudly into a microphone. <laughs> well, I had to look some stuff up. Just take Sorry. it. Just take it down I didn't know what
3: brunch was.
0: I can hear him. <coughs> when the restaurants open for brunch. Okay. Uh, so I used uh, my T-Mobile coverage to check out brunch. brunch. That's right. You know it's interesting as I was thinking about it the 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 albums there's so much comedy that is of the moment and then it's it's like milk it it doesn't hold it it goes it goes sour quickly and people can't understand the context I think your comedy is timeless it was you doing these wonderful bits and the timing is so terrific that there's this young generation now that's listening to podcasts and comedy podcasts and they're huge comedy fans and i think your comedy is as relevant today in 2019 as it was in 1960 it has stood the test of time
2: i hope so i hope you're right
0: oh i'm I'm right about everything
2: <laughs> that's right i forgot there's a- there's a sign on the door yes. as you come in. <laughs> yeah. Conan right. is right about everything.
0: Yes. And so you can rest assured. So I'm
2: sorry for violating that.
0: No, 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 no. It's, um, I'm sorry I snapped at you. Uh, I have a quick temper, as you no. can see. Yeah. And I apologize. Um, Sona, please stop laughing. This is a serious conversation between two <laughs> iconic comics.
2: I know. Could she get out of the room, please? <laughs> <laughs>
0: You know, I've been trying to, Bob, I've been trying to get her out of the room for a long time.
1: But. This is this is awful. No,
0: please, please. Sona, please. You're lucky to just be here and bathe in uh, one and a half, so you one and pretty, half geniuses. I was <laughs> going to say, Bob Newhart's
3: glow.
1: Okay, yeah. okay.
0: That's, she turns on me so quickly. Yeah. You
2: were probably about to ask me about Tim Conway.
0: Well, uh, you know what? what? We, we You mentioned it briefly when you came in. Tim Conway, I'm not sure exactly when this will air, but Tim Conway – just passed and you were at his funeral.
2: Funeral mass.
0: Funeral mass. And um, again, someone who like you delighted me, delighted me Mm. to no end as, uh, as I was coming up in the world and watching television and paying attention to funny people and who made me laugh. And I know that you and Tim were very good friends. So good friends, yes. uh, uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for your loss because he was a brilliant was lovely not, guy. It was not it
2: was not unexpected. Yeah. Uh, he had dementia to toward the end, mm-hmm. but he he will uh, he will live on because his legacy is in those those sketches he and Harvey did. And uh, we used to get together there was a group of us um as I mentioned Dick Martin Dick Dick, right. Dick Martin and uh, Dolly Martin his wife. Mm-hmm. Mike Connors and Mary Lou
0: Mm-hmm. Mike Connors, Mannix, Mike Connors? Mannix,
2: yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I
0: love that show.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah. A, one of the
0: coolest detectives. Uh, I think he drove a Mustang on his show anyway.
2: You're probably right. I'm it?
0: babbling now. But anyway, uh, one of the one of the coolest uh, show TV shows of the late 60s. Yeah.
2: Is that the name of the show, by the ba- Babbling?
0: <laughs> babbling. That's the name of my babbling. show. Okay. Yeah. Conan <laughs> babbles occasionally. <laughs> Sona cuts in and puts him down. And then Bob Newhart takes over and <laughs> everything's well.
2: That you, you do it very well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've heard of, like, babbling brooks. <laughs> I've never heard of babbling hosts. No, I'm, well,
0: yeah, i not familiar with my work, apparently.
2: <laughs> anyway, t- Tim would tell us these stories. It was, it was also uh, Steve Lawrence, Edie Gourmet would join us. Don and Barbara uh, mm-hmm. joined us. And, and Tim would tell these stories about about his upbringing. Mm-hmm. He told a story about uh, his father thought he was handy. He grew up; uh, they lived in Chagrin Falls, Ohio,
3: mm-hmm.
2: which which is interesting because w- what are Chagrin Falls? You know? I know, but that that was the name Chagrin. Like they they wished they hadn't falls. You know, <laughs> you know what does that mean? <laughs> you know, kind so, of
0: chagrin. Oh well, you gotta. <laughs> if you're gonna have a set of falls, just uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> This'll do, I suppose.
2: So anyway, so Tim's father thought he was handy around around the house, so he put in a uh, a new doorbell, which he wired improperly so that it rang all the time. <laughs> except when someone rang the doorbell. <laughs> and then there was this silence. And when that would happen, Tim's father would say, I'll get it. <laughs> 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 I mean, his, fa- his father also, they were driving from Chagrin Falls to um, Manhattan, mm-hmm. where Tim's uh, sister lived. And they drove to Manhattan, and I guess it's 800 miles, something like that. They drove and um, they, they kept circling the block and couldn't find a parking space. And, and your father drove back to Chagrin Falls. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I just couldn't. I guess that's all
3: you can do at that's that point. I
2: <laughs> so... So I mean growing <laughs> up in, in that household Tim had to be a comedian he yes. had he had no choice at all He had all. no
0: choice. You did have a choice. Uh, you had a trade, you had a profession, you were an accountant. You were a damn good accountant by all accounts. And No, no,
2: no, no, I was not a good accountant.
0: Okay, I just said <laughs> I, that I had no idea. You know. <laughs> I was trying to build you up. I'm trying to be your trying to be your hype man for accounting. If
2: if I had been with Enron, you can laugh into
1: the the mic. A hype man for accounting. Yes. (laughs) Okay, I just wanted to make sure I heard that properly.
0: Yes, (laughs) I'm your hype man for accounting. But you were you were not the the greatest accountant ever. If
2: I had been an accountant with Enron, they would still be in business. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the IRS couldn't, I, I, I can't figure these books out. I don't uh-huh. know.
0: So they never would have caught him. So you were an accountant. And then it's so funny because knowing you, I think, how did this, how did this man who seems so cautious and so soft-spoken decide, I'm going to become a stand-up comedian at a time when I think show business is more perilous back then? Like, if it didn't work out, some guys would take you in an alley and beat you <laughs> up or something. You know, it just it just felt like a tougher time. That was a very brave thing to do.
2: I, I just, I I uh, I was an accountant, mm-hmm. and I was in charge of petty cash. It's mm-hmm. a true story. And the, the salesman would come in from out of town, and they'd give me a receipt for the motel room uh, or for gas or whatever, and I would give them cash out of Petty cash. And Mm -hmm. then at the end of the day, I would have to balance what was left of the petty cash Mm -hmm. and the receipts I had. And it never it never balanced. Mm -hmm. And so at five o'clock, everyone left. And I was still there, sometimes till eight o'clock, trying to find a dollar seventy-five. And so I did that for about a month. And then I said, the hell with it, and it was it was under again about a dollar fifty. So, I took a dollar fifty out of my pocket and I put it in petty cash. Mm-hmm. which made sense. But then, the next day it was two dollars over. So, I took the two dollars out.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, the head of the accounting department, Mister Hutchinson, said my my legal name is George George mm-hmm. Roberts. He said George so those are not sound accounting principles. <laughs>
0: polite way to put it. And I, said, well,
2: I said well it makes sense to me. And, and cuz they were paying me I don't know 8 dollars an hour to find a dollar 50 and sometimes it took me 4 or 5 hours. So <laughs> <laughs> I was I was saving them money. (laughs) So I said, well, I'm not cut out. I'm not cut out for accounting.
0: That's when you decided. And
2: then it was the road never taken. Yeah. It just, uh, I had to find out.
0: You know, I was thinking about, you get this start, and then you have these records that are a huge, phenomenal success. (laughs) And then I really get to know you with your TV show, your first TV show in the 1970s, Bob Newhart Show. And I... One of the things I noticed was that you could take these pauses on the records and you can take a pause now and you can hold for a a take. You can do that uh, on a podcast when you're just listening or on the records. But when you did it on television, you also had a great deadpan, which people wouldn't have known if they just knew you from the records, you know? And it was really, they would cut to you on the show and- you know, one of the characters would have said something absolutely ridiculous. Your neighbor, Howard Borden, would have said something, you know, Tim <laughs> Daly would have said something absolutely ridiculous. And they would just, or someone would ask you an incredible, crazy question and they would cut to you. And you're processing and you have those sad eyes and you're just, the camera would hold on you. And it was one of the funniest things I'd ever seen. I
2: never knew I had sad eyes. <laughs> Very sad. <laughs> That's the first time. Very, I'm going to be 90 years old in September. You're going to be 90 in September, and no one has ever has ever said my eyes were sad.
0: Well, they can evoke sadness. They're very powerful eyes. They can also evoke joy. Is this really? Do not, I
2: do I have sad eyes? I think they're kind eyes. Thank you. Thank yeah, you.
1: I think you have really nice eyes. Thank you. I wouldn't much. use the Thank word you. sad.
0: Um, this isn't going well. <laughs> I've been alienated by everyone here. <laughs> I think what I was trying to say me, is right, in a it, Buster Keaton way. Oh, okay. The oh, kind of okay. forlorn. You're uh, trying
2: to get back. Okay.
0: All <laughs> right. God, I'm being eviscerated. We've done how many of these? We've done like 30 of these with everybody. And then and then Bob Newhart comes in and, and the gentlest, kindest uh, comic of all time. And uh, he's tearing my face off. <laughs> With words, I'm just a skull. I'm a bleeding skull right now. I hope you're happy.
2: I'll give you an example. Okay. We did a show, and the writing was was marvelous. Mm-hmm. And that, so this is the Bob Newhart show. So I come in to the Carol, the, the receptionist. She mm-hmm. said, "A man is in is in your office." So I come in, and there's a
0: ventriloquist. Oh my! Oh my God! You this know, is such <laughs> you a know, yes. I've, I love this episode. Yes. <laughs>
2: And he's sitting there with Danny, his, his dummy. Yeah. Right? And uh, and I'd sit down, and, he, and I said, what can I do for you? And he said, Danny wants to go out on his own.
0: <laughs> the dummy. <laughs> <laughs> the dummy wants to go. <laughs> and it was so much fun <laughs> to watch you. <laughs> you know, whoever had the idea to say... Bob Newhart is a psychiatrist, you know, and his job is to sit there and listen <laughs> to insane people because it's all about the reaction. So, if anyone wants to look that scene up, uh, it, it is it is absolutely wonderful because you're sitting there, and at one point, even you get lulled into talking to the dummy,
3: That's right. which,
2: <laughs> which is absolutely well. Then the dummy wants to be alone with me in the office.
0: (laughs) Yes, (laughs) can I speak to you alone? Privately. Privately. (laughs) And he's like gesturing up at the guy operating him, like I gotta lose this guy. (laughs) Yeah, there are so many um, (laughs) beautiful, I told you, I think I told you once one of my favorite episodes was the time. You were you were long. We
2: better get someone for her. Uh, yeah,
0: no, no, she needs oxygen. An ambulance. I yeah. know. I'm sorry.
2: I don't. I don't want this on my hands. You know? there,
0: No, no, no. It's you'll be implicated. You you were in the room, and you'll be implicated okay. when she asphyxiates. No, it's it's so nice because you've said that you think comedy is often best when it's approached from almost a childlike mindset. There's a simplicity to it. And this is something I think that you and I completely agree on, which is the danger of cynicism, the danger of cynicism getting into comedy. And that's something that I know that you feel strongly about and I feel strongly about.
2: Yeah, I, there's this story. I, I, it was in my book, as a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. Art Linkler told the story, and he had, he had this program of Kids Save the Darnedest Thing. Which was
0: a massive hit show from yeah. the, yeah. I think, 50s, and 50s, 60s, yeah. I think. Yeah.
2: So he's doing the show, and there's this one kid in the front, and he's not smiling or participating at all. So they go to commercials, so Art comes over to him, and he said, you don't seem to be enjoying the show. And he said, well, my, my dog died, and I love my dog, and I miss him. Mm-hmm. And I uh, and, and said, well, um, he said, you know, your dog died, and and you're a young, a young person, and you'll live for a long time, but one day you'll die, and you'll go to heaven, and there will be your dog, mm-hmm. and you'll be reunited with your dog. And the kid said what does God want with a dead dog? (laughs) (laughs) That's a really good question, actually. (laughs) See, the, the commission still has that childlike quality of asking what does God want with a dead dog? Right,
0: right, right. And it... and. You know, obviously, there's all kinds of different movements in comedy, and there are people that think it should be very harsh, or it should it should say, this, say something. It should say something. Yes. I've been preaching. No,
2: for, I was saying to you, say
0: something. <laughs> <laughs> I just i. I would like my lawyer here. I'm getting out of show business. You're getting destroyed. I'm getting destroyed and Sona's loving it. I love all of this. Sona's no fan of mine uh, and she loves to see me get destroyed. But no, to that point that people that want comedy to say something, and I've, I've said for years, if you've learned anything, from my comedy, then I failed you <laughs> I, and i i believe that I just yeah. wanna i i wanna make people laugh in very silly ways, and I do think that's one of the things too that has held up so well as your body of work is just you enjoying yourself and being funny in I think this very primal simple way you know what i mean
2: yeah yeah that that's it you know that's um. That's our job I mean that's to take the absurdity of, of life and and maybe maybe there's some pain and just help people get past that pain yeah you know if you do that you're uh, I think it's a very important role that laughter plays in, in, in life it's very it's, I think it's essential
0: I know that you've made you made an attempt you told me this once you made an attempt to you thought okay I've done it all I've had the you've conquered so many different aspects of the medium and then you you got to the point where you thought you know maybe I'll maybe I'll stop doing the the live touring I won't do that anymore and You decided I'll just I'll just enjoy my time around the house. I'll stay with Ginny, and we'll just we'll just enjoy this time. How'd that go? Uh,
2: not not well. Not well. <laughs> uh, people will say, you know, I'm going to be 90. Why why do you still still do stand up? And the alternative is to me a Sunset Boulevard. You know, it's, it's sitting in a darkened room and and having. Eric von Stroheim come in and say, What would you like to watch an episode of New Heart or or The Bottom? Of
0: <laughs> <laughs> and you're sitting there with all these other these old characters and you're all right. you yeah, the house is very creepy and yeah. <laughs> I know. No, and it's the other thing is if you as hard as it is to believe, I've been doing my thing for a long time. To some people, to younger people, I am now this guy they grew up watching uh, or or being forced to watch or trying not to watch. <laughs> and I have, they'll say to me sometimes, well, when are you going to sort of wrap it up? And I'll think, well, I am I love it. I love doing it and I love making stuff. And by the way, you know, what's your problem, punk? Yeah, it's
2: like, uh, you know, I, I, I'm just tired of of make, making people laugh I, yeah. I i don't want to do it anymore
0: right know? right I mean, why would why would someone why say would that you would say that yeah how did uh, i hate
2: the sound the laughter the sound of it i just it's like fingers on a black
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes was it your wife who noticed that this wasn't working for you you were sitting around the house and
2: well i hadn't stopped Totally, I, just, I i reduced a lot of the appearances I was mm-hmm. making. And Jenny said, "You're going nuts, aren't you?" Yeah. <laughs> I said, "Yeah." Yeah. <laughs> she I, said, "Well, I guess you better go back.
0: You better know? get going." Yeah. Yeah.
2: Do more dates.
0: I sometimes threaten my wife with stopping. And. Uh...
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, all right, here, here's Jenny. This is uh, we—we're married. 56 years. Oh, wow. um, And this past January. And here, as you know, you have to take out, you have to separate the recyclables from the non-recyclables. So Jenny will say to me on a Monday night or Tuesday, whenever they pick up, she said, you know, Bob, you want to take out the recyclables? And I was kind of feeling full of myself. So I said... uh, and this is when they were getting along, Mm -hmm. Uh, I said, do you think that uh, Angelina Jolie says to Brad Pitt, you forgot to take out the recyclables? Mm -hmm. And Ginny said, if you were Brad Pitt, I wouldn't ask you to take (laughs) out the recyclables.
3: (laughs) It's good. You've been humbled. That's the
2: kind of relationship we have.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I... uh... You came to my house, the first time you came to my house, I had a bunch of people over and it was sweet because no one knew that you were going to be there and everybody lost their mind and a line formed and people were lining up, you know, uh, and these are the big names of well, today yes, were lined they- up to come and, and, and get a chance to talk to Bob Newhart and it was just lovely to see. And no one had any interest in talking to me. <laughs> they were
2: they'd... But but you're used to that. I mean Oh for God's sake. <laughs> Why? Why am I too much, right? Of, no, too, no, too no, too no, no. Too early. I think no, I think, no. so, I think
0: so, Sona Sona might That's say not enough. Not enough. Yeah, I
3: think
2: pile it on.
0: You know, Bob, I'm seeing a new act here where I go out on stage with you and you just abuse me for 40 minutes. But it's
2: like low-hanging fruit. You know, you just
0: <laughs> It's <laughs> just too easy. You can't
2: resist. <laughs>
3: <laughs> this is the best
1: day of my life
0: okay all right now sona now sona you remember who your real loyalties to
1: <laughs> bob newhart okay. Now, all right
0: yeah. oh god um what does it mean that you have chicago values you said that about yourself and about your wife you said we have chicago values and i didn't know did that mean you like deep dish pizza what does it mean
2: When <laughs> you don't Start putting on ears. Right. You know, uh, hey, hey, I knew you, okay? Uh, right. Yeah, we used to play baseball together, so don't uh, don't be like a big star, you know? Okay? Right.
0: So do you find in your life that or, you...
2: Or I'll shoot you.
0: Do <laughs> you find in your life that you've had to compensate because you've had so much success Do you feel that you need to compensate and tell people i don't i don't think i'm a big deal i know i've had a tremendous amount of success or you just you don't worry about it
2: i get uh, nervous
0: yeah you I, get self-conscious yeah, yeah about the fact that you've had this success and so maybe the more i compliment but you right god now,
2: forbid it ever stops you know? right oh no no
0: trust me you yeah. never will but what I'm getting the sense is that the more I compliment you, the more uncomfortable you'll be.
2: That's right.
0: I think you're a genius. I really do. I think you're an incredible genius. I think you redefine the medium. Okay.
2: All right. All right. Stop.
0: I think you. Uh, there's no one like you. Stop. You got the body of an Adonis.
2: Well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You know, I'm sure at some point I'm gonna just leave little pauses here and you can always jump in and say something about me or my work or how much I've meant to you. And I'll just I'll just leave pauses there and you jump in at any time that you like. And you know, you say whatever you want. I did, you had me on your podcast and That's it was good. one of my favorite things. I wish there had been a camera rolling because you were talking to me and we were chatting. And at one point you didn't realize how cold it would be in the room. And I think I was wearing a jacket and you were cold. And so during the podcast, you commented on how cold it was and someone who was there working with you, there was nothing. So they just took the big, uh, whatever it's the Afghan or the cover off the bed this big blanket, and you wrapped it around yourself. And all I could see, it, it isolated your face in this way that was hilarious. And you were wrapped up in this blanket, but there's no record of it, it's just audio. You were wrapped up, and I thought, it, I just thought I was talking to this Eskimo woman. <laughs> just completely wrapped up. I couldn't, and it was one of the funniest things in the world, but we never talked about it. And you, we never you, commented on it.
2: There was a thing you started about the uh, donation to
0: oh, yes, 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 yes. I think I started uh kidding, and I hope people understood it was a joke, <laughs> but they may not have because we were both being very dry about it. But we were talking about doing charity events, and I talked about how, of course, it's important to me to get paid, <laughs> and how um, I only work with charities that pay the most money, <laughs> and right. um, how. Later people have come to me and said, "You know this is really hurting the charity and i've said well that's that's your problem and you were you were like really this you were so straight about it, and because I was following you and listening to your rhythm, I was being very straight about, well, look you know I've been contacted by hospitals and they said the research is really stopped, and I said, look that's uh I why I don't understand why you're crying to me. Uh, I'm professional and I need to get paid. <laughs> That's right. And if this means that and you
2: didn't really care about what whatever. Oh
0: God, no, no! no. I needed to get paid, and uh, this is a business. <laughs> and did... um, and what did you expect?
2: I and think it was Children's Hospital.
0: It was Children's, and I said, oh, and I no, and what I did is I started, and then I said, I said, you know, what you can really do is the real money's in the children's uh, diseases, <laughs> and we were playing it so straight. <laughs> And I was convinced that anybody listening to this is going to think he's an absolute monster. (laughs) And at no point did you say, okay, well, this was a fun bit. You never did that. And so it's out there somewhere. And now we've repeated it. That the real money is doing stuff for kids. (laughs) Because they have a hard time tracking you down. I'm a terrible person. And they're
2: too sick. <laughs> oh
3: my <God>. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, I hope you've enjoyed my genteel interview with Bob Newhart. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly the uh, the meanest cr- uh, cruelest person in show business. Uh, how, what do you think, Sona? How much did you enjoy this one? I
1: loved it so much. Oh, start to finish.
0: She is crying. She is crying. I I've, I've made her cry but for different reasons. Let's please do this again. I You know what? And I'll come to you. I'll do I'm
2: never I'm, doing this again. <laughs> Are you crazy?
0: <laughs> Come on. Well, the money's, we'll get you some money next time. I'll, I'll get you, I'll, we'll find, we'll make it worth your while. You know, get you
3: some
0: nice. Mr. Bob Newhart, this, this is one of the best times I've had in memory. This was just, i this is the hardest I've laughed. This was fantastic. And uh, thank you so, so much for being here.
2: I, I think I'm just, Continuing Don Rickles' legacy. I
0: I think you out-Rickles today. I spent
2: too much time with him,
0: yes. Uh, Wow. Uh, And you know what the beauty is? I didn't see it coming. So with Don, I would have been covered up a little bit. Here I came in, arms open, and you put a knife right between the fifth and sixth rib. And that was within the first five minutes. Bob Newhart, thank you so much.
2: Thank you. I enjoyed it. Sona, are you ready
0: for some voicemails?
1: I am. I love voicemails.
0: Conan, you ready for some voicemails? I have some trepidation. I always think it's possible that my feelings will get hurt. I took that note last time. So these are purely positive. Well, no, I don't want you to do that. I Okay, then play I, I, number... Uh, no, no, just kidding. <laughs> yeah, but you know what I mean? If uh, all comic artists are extremely... I think most of us are really sensitive. And whenever someone says, we're opening up the lines... And we've, you know, we've got some really fascinating, you always think someone's going to say, I've always hated you. Yeah. Oh, come on. And then I'll say, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> see that? You didn't see that coming. All right. Let's start with number 14.
2: Hey, Conan, it's Seamus. You and I had the same teacher for English our senior years of high school, though it was several years apart. And at the end of my senior year in English class, this teacher gave me the Conan O'Brien Award. Now, my question is, what exactly does this mean? Did it mean that she thought you were a big success and she incorrectly assumed that I would also find some kind of success in my life, which certainly hasn't happened? Or does it mean that your senior year English teacher actually thought you were a big failure and she accurately foresaw my future life of failure? Uh, your thoughts on that, please. Thank you very much.
0: Wow. This is the most loaded question. Yeah. Well, first of all, I, I had a passionate affair with my teacher oh my oh
1: god. god
0: and so oh I no i think oh. yes ew. this is i mean no what's wrong with that it was I'm high sorry. school Did, oh. didn't he say senior in high school
3: yeah. yeah
1: yeah
0: i think that is uh fine i was uh i consider myself an adult okay. at 18 and i was uh quite skilled
3: <laughs>
0: Oh God! what's this
1: Stop!
0: no i'm just this saying gross Hello? I'm sorry. It's gross.
1: It is. I I'm. It, I know you don't want me to say that, but it's gross.
0: It's gross it, why? Because I'm too gross. young at that age?
1: I don't like thinking of you that way at all, ever.
0: Listen, it's, most people listen. It makes listen, me uh, I understand that. Thanks a lot. I'm sorry. <laughs> but most, most people listen to the podcast because they think of me as a highly sexualized being. Okay.
1: <sighs> well, this is. <sighs> you guys talk about Eisenhower's phone.
0: Yeah. Well, now okay. that was pretty steamy. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen the phone? Oh, my God. It's taupe. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, I did see it.
0: Sona, yes, we work together, and of course, you've had to block out any thought of seeing me that way. Oh, okay. But the only success I've had in show business is people seeing me as a highly sexualized being. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, my God. Um, Wait, so I have a question. Yeah. So you guys had a passionate affair, and then she just named an award for you because for of that? For obvious
0: reasons. And I think uh, no one's quite... Met the Conan O'Brien standard since then, except Seamus. Seamus, yeah, and apparently she has a, she has an yeah. eye, she's an eye for the Irish kids. Uh, no, this is a uh, first of all, for legal reasons, let me point out that no, I did not have uh, any uh, relations. What with this teacher, Sona, so, no, that was very hurtful.
3: I'm sorry.
0: <gasps> Sona, you only say that because you happen to know that I lost my virginity during Obama's second term. (laughs) Uh, I was waiting to see how the healthcare thing went and then I celebrated. (laughs) Is he claiming how, long after me did he go to school? I couldn't quite tell that part. Did he say? I don't think Is this when that. I'm on television and I have become like a known person? It must be. I'm well, sure no. that the teacher is bragging to her students, like, hey, I had Conan O'Brien, the person you all know from TV. Yeah, I had Conan oh. O'Brien. See what oh, I'm saying? On. No, I see what you're saying. No, I, I'm just saying. Yeah, I know you 18 are. 18 is, oh. you know. You know how they make those eyewashes in laboratories? I want one for my ears. <laughs> no. <laughs> Listen, Goarly, um, you're mispronouncing it. Is it? Is it Gorley? Anyway, okay. Gower. Oh wait, you have a beard. I looked again at your face. <laughs>
3: Jesus.
0: Uh, Do you think Kimmel I does a
2: podcast? <laughs> it's
0: the most. There' is, a lot of food gets dished out at that podcast. Okay, so Seamus, I don't know why she gave this to you. I'm going to assume that she saw greatness in you, and uh, and I see greatness in you, even though I can't see you. So Seamus. Please don't get down on yourself. Maybe you're just being self-deprecating. Maybe that's the key. Ah. Seamus is clearly very self-deprecating. So she probably gives the Conan O'Brien Award to the student who leans too heavily on that type of humor. Yeah. As do I. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend with Sonam Obsessian and Conan O'Brien as himself. Produced by me, Matt Gorley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Chris Bannon and Colin Anderson at Earwolf. Special thanks to Jack White for the theme song. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino supervising producer is Aaron Blair, and the show is engineered by Will Beckton. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, and you might find your review featured on a future episode. Got a question for Conan? Call the Team Coco hotline at 323-451-2821 and leave a message. It, too, could be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend on Apple Podcasts or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded.
3: This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf.